This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. I'm Claire, one of the co-lead pastors here, um, if I haven't met you before. So um, today is Vision Sunday, when we get to look back and celebrate all that's been going on in this community um, in this last year and all that God's been doing in and also through us. Um, And then we get to look ahead um, to remind ourselves of who we are and what we're about and what we sense God has for us this coming year. So in terms of looking back, Burns put together a little video, which is of some of our leaders and our staff sharing about some of the things that have been going on in this last year. It is a summary and an overview. We haven't been able to include everything. Burn had about 30 minutes of footage, which you'll be pleased to know. (laughs) He's got down to about 11 minutes. So um, sit back and enjoy this, and then Owen's going to come up and talk about the year ahead. We are the co-lead pastors of Seven Vineyards. And this is the review of some of the highlights of 2023. We've gathered on Sundays as community groups in people's homes, in cafes and parks, on the beach in Croyd and at youth festivals. We've gathered with the wider vineyard in Bristol. We've met in large groups and small groups and triplets. We've worshipped together. We've served our city together. We've supported each other through difficult times and celebrated life events together like births and engagements and marriages and of course birthdays. We've prayed together, explored faith together, asked tricky questions together, and deepened our understanding and experience of who God is. One of my highlights of last year was the carol service, going along to that beautiful building and just having a sense of family, a sense of belonging, and a sense of togetherness. It really, really was beautiful. We've welcomed more new babies into the community and gathered around their families to support them with meals and baby showers. Um, We've shared the ups and downs of parenthood um, through cups of tea, chats, hugs. Um, It's been fabulous to hear all the stories of how God's been healing, providing fun adventures and keeping his promises through all of this. Vineyard Kids has been an incredible year. Uh, We've had so much fun together, learning about Jesus and how we can make a difference in this world. We've had some great events this year, like the Easter Egg Hunt, joint with other vineyard churches, and summer picnics, which we all enjoyed, the light party, and also Christmas parties. Our children growing up in this community, being known, invested in, loved, really is something very special. What an amazing year we've had. I've seen the youth grow in their faith and in their boldness and in their wisdom with God. It's been amazing. One of the highlights for me was when we were out doing the noise Bristol. We were out clearing gardens for people who were unable to. One of the absolute highlights of the year was seeing them, the youth, praying with a passerby. They're out with Jack. She'd just come and asked some questions and the youth just prayed for changing her life and for healing. I loved seeing them pouring out God's love and serving people in this way. 
We've had the privilege of leading a group at Soho Coffee House where we just invited people off the street to have free barista coffee and cake. It was wonderful to just chat with them about their story and the story of Jesus. It was so encouraging just to hear where they were at, but also it was encouraging to see how many of them were able to hear something of Jesus. They were prayed for and prophesied for, um, and they got to hear of the love and hope that Jesus has for each of them. It was incredible just to see the change in their opinion of God and their heart towards him. This year I've been doing the Vineyard Leadership College, which has meant I've been uh, meeting with people around the vineyard in the UK, uh, learning together and thinking about what leadership looks like and then how we apply that to our different churches. Um, I've been involved in lots of different things in Seven this year. I've loved uh, connecting with our overseas partners, Ian and Sheila, Kaingam and Ritu, uh, seeing how we can support them and pray for them in the great work uh, that they're doing. My highlight of the year was planting a new church in Tostang called Lighthouse Vineyard and commissioning Adam and Rebecca Kishtani to lead it. I love their courage and vision to serve their neighbourhood in new and creative ways with the hope of the story of Jesus. I also really loved seeing families like the Nixons uh, show their courage in moving from Seven to Lighthouse to help the Kishtanis make this happen. Emotional and spiritual health is a really big deal here and we can support your emotional health with donuts. 2023 has seen over 2,500 donuts on Sundays alone. So well done, you guys. And well done to you for box set binging the Bible with us and our talks and chats about what life with God is all about. We've actually served up even more podcasts than donuts this year. Can you believe it? Now, one of my highlights was making a fresh translation of John's Gospel and turning it into soundscapes you can live in for a while. It's really helped me to feel closer to Jesus and what he wants to do with us. And I hope it's been helpful to you too. They've been times of great discussion and vision for what worship can look like at Seven. We have a great team and our leaders are so passionate about honouring God and about leading people into his presence. Since the pandemic, we have had less time, energy and money as a church, whilst the needs of the most vulnerable in our city has only increased. So instead, we have employed a fundraiser who so far has raised £85,000 to fund the food bank, the storehouse and the debt advice centre that we run in South Bristol. In addition to that, we've been able to recruit volunteers from lots of other organisations and churches in South Bristol, apart from Seven. Over the year, we have heard many heartbreaking stories from people as we shared a cup of tea and a piece of cake, listening about what brought them to the food bank. Yes, in the middle of all the need and the heartbreak, the greatest story that I have to tell is a new and very real understanding that our God really is Jehovah Jireh, our God who provides. Week after week, I've looked at the need and wondered how on earth we're going to make it work. And week after week, God has provided. He's provided through the generosity of our Vineyard family, through the wonderful partnership that's developed with St Barnabas Church family, through food quite simply arriving out of the blue, volunteers appearing when we didn't have the numbers, strength to sustain us in the busiest of our weeks. It's been a wonderful year, a real answer to prayer with the volunteer 
deck coach called Keith who's working alongside me uh, and just freeing me up to do all those other jobs like partnering with other churches and other agencies as well and this year we have had the most amazing opportunity to relieve people of £125,000 worth of debt uh, across South Bristol. It's just been such a privilege to walk alongside people through that journey. It's been amazing with your help and support so thank you so much. In 2023, the Superrum teams from Severn Vineyard went out 25 times to serve those in need. We provided food, hot drinks, toiletries, warm clothing and sleeping bags to over 1,100 people. As well as this, we offered friendly conversation and signposting to other services throughout the city. I have loved seeing God's goodness and grace in action through the generosity and compassion shown by our wonderful set of volunteers to those most vulnerable in our city. I've managed to see 141 families this year and been able to give free baby, children and teenage clothes, toys, equipment, which has been amazing. It's just a friendly um, space where they just can come and have a cup of tea, a chat, a place where they can just really safely just unwind and just go blah, really, um, and just... Uh, if they want someone to pray with, they can have that, uh, which has been amazing. Um, and also, they always leave, they can leave uh, with a bag of goodies and a hug if they want to hug, always for free. It's been another great year of partnering between Home for Good and Seven Vineyard. We've been supporting individuals and groups all around the city. We've been loving and listening. There are children who've made friends with other children who are in similar situations to them and no longer feel alone. And the adults have really pulled together and we've got a community where everyone is supporting each other and looking out for each other. We're expanding everything we're doing because there's such a great need for it. And it's really, really exciting. This year, we're really excited to have created um, a business team which supports all three vineyards within Bristol. And it provides many of the business functions that are needed to help churches to grow um, more healthily. And it also means that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We've got me doing the same stuff at each church. So it means I get better at what I'm doing and the churches benefit from being more efficient and more effective in what they do. And additionally, we've been able to pool our resources similarly with our community services. So um, being able to to share um, money and volunteers and resource across those is also really really good. Once again we have all generously given time, energy and money to Seven and honestly without all of that we wouldn't be the community that we are. So thank you for the thousands of hours and energy that we have all spent gathering together throughout each week, for the hours spent caring for the kids and young adults, for making events happen and also serving the wider community in practical ways. Yeah, and thank you for continuing to donate money to Seven in the year to June 2023. Together we donated £239,483 for what we call unrestricted core funding of the church. That's an incredible amount of money and it's enabled the church to continue to be healthy and sustainable. During 2023, uh, some of our donors moved on for the reasons of life, love and work. And so we adjusted the budget for this financial year uh, to a lower expected income of £182,000. Now that's a difference of £60,000 a year. And because we anticipated that, 
we uh, took the church uh, through a redundancy process to reduce our employment costs by the amount of £60,000. That was a difficult process, but it was made much easier by the competence and the grace of our staff and trustees who were involved in the process. We're pleased that action has ensured that the finances of the church are still healthy and sustainable as we move forwards together. The building fund has continued to grow with the total balance at approximately £365,000. The trustees were delighted to agree a £30,000 donation to Lighthouse Vineyard to help them buy Totterdam Methodist Church from the 20% of the building fund set aside for the relief of poverty and the blessing of the wider church. It is such a privilege uh, to lead this church and we hope that you share in our joy and satisfaction as you reflect on the contribution that Seven Vineyard has made to all of our lives and to the lives of people who we know in this city. Thank you for being part of this. Are you excited about being part of a church like that? Are you? I am. I am so proud and excited to be part of a community that makes that much difference in the city. That much difference in the lives of ordinary people, that much difference in the lives of their community. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be able to capture it in a 10 minute video like that, isn't it? Because it just keeps the fire burning. It, it chucks a load of coal on that fire and says, yes, this fire is burning. So I'm so excited to be part of this. I hope you are too. And um, as we look ahead to 2024, we are, of course, in a time of change. More than half the world is going to participate in the democratic process of electing a new government. Uh, we are going to do the same here in the UK. And there's politicians already uh, promising us the hope that they think we want, right? Am I right? That we're starting to hear these politicians telling us what they're going to do for us to give us hope. And of course, that's what we want to hear. We want hope. Um, but I don't know about you, but just watching that video gives me hope that we together as a community can make a difference uh, to our own lives and the lives of those around us. Um, now, 2,000 years ago, for a period of three years, Jesus Christ became the hope of a nation. And I, if you were here two weeks ago, you heard me talk about this. But again, I would, I would kind of like, please go back and listen to that talk, because I just think it captures something about the hope that Jesus gave to those around him at the time. But let me tell you a few summary points of that, some of the highlights of that. First of all, Jesus became a powerful political figure who the majority of people in Judea and Galilee, where he lived, were so excited. He gave them so much hope for those three years. Why did he do that? Well, first of all, he healed so many of them of disease and sickness and disability. Okay, now that's just not about making someone feel better. That is about restoring them economically, socially. But they wouldn't have been part of the temple if they were diseased and sick because they would have been considered unclean. He restored them economically because they could actually work again because they weren't ill. Um, he restored them socially uh, because people would have shunned them for being diseased and sick. So first of all, Jesus restored so many people. Uh, he produced mountains of food out of nowhere. Mountains of food to feed thousands of hungry people who would have been living on the breadline. He repeatedly condemned the political and religious authorities for allowing this mass poverty and increasing social inequality and denying the majority poor justice. Jesus was nothing short of a political, religious and social revolutionary. 
And I would challenge you, if you don't realize that, if you don't even agree with that, go back and read the accounts of Jesus' lives through the, through the lens of being a revolutionary. And, you know, the thing is, is that it's no surprise that Jesus was killed because revolutionaries and critics tend to end up murdered by the corrupt authorities that they are criticizing. That's why Jesus died. Lots of people have explained lots of theories about why Jesus died, but the practical reality of Jesus' death was that he was a revolutionary who was killed by the authorities who wanted to end his revolution. But of course, it didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? Well, because within three days of his murder, rumors started to circulate that Jesus Christ was alive again. Jesus became an enduring figure of hope, not because he was a great politician or a great military leader. It wasn't because Jesus was a great economist or an efficient legislator. I'm not saying he wasn't those things. Um, it wasn't because Jesus was even a great priest or religious teacher. And again, I'm not saying he wasn't those things. But according to Paul the Apostle, this is why Jesus was a figure of hope. In Philippians 2, verse 6 to 11, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the glory of God the Father. Paul's losing himself at that point in praise and adoration. That's why he's using words like that. But the reality is, Paul was saying is that Jesus was an enduring figure of hope because he made himself nothing. The gospel of Jesus is a turning the world's values upside down, turning yours and mine instinctive values upside down. The reason why Jesus was a revolutionary figure of hope was because he was a servant, because he was poor, because he was marginalized himself, and he became a leader of those people. He came to serve others with justice and mercy, which of course got him killed. But you can't kill that sort of life. It's enduring. It's enduring. It's eternal. And for generations of people, that hope of Jesus has endured. That's why we still stand here 2,000 years later in Bristol. And all this happened in the Middle East. Is we're standing here because Jesus is a figure of enduring hope. Now, I don't know what your year is looking like. I don't know what 2024 is promising for you. Maybe you are in need of hope at the moment. Maybe you're facing uncertainty. Maybe ill health. Maybe job insecurity. Maybe financial struggles or relational conflict. Maybe you're carrying grief. Maybe you will experience grief. But you know, when we look to the future for hope, we need more hope than Keir Starmer can give us or whichever political figure you're looking to to give you hope this year. You need more hope than they can give you. You need an enduring hope that goes beyond death. A hope that is not prone to failure. Now, as a community of people, um, the only thing that really unites us, apart from our relationships, is the story of Jesus. That's, I imagine, why you're in the room. That's why you're watching this online or listening to it on our podcast. The story of Jesus unites us. The story of this figure of hope unites us. We are a community based on the hope of Jesus. That's why everything that we just saw in that video 
inspires hope. It creates an energy and an anticipation of the future that together we can be a community of hope. Now, obviously we talked a lot there about what we've done in the last year. But just as is important as what we've done is who we are. What are we as a community of hope? What does a community of hope look like? Well, 2022, in 2022, the staff, the trustees, and the leaders of Seven Vineyard came up with four words, four values that seem to characterize Jesus and should characterize our community as a community of people focused on Jesus. And these were the four words that we talked about. And I'm just going to explain them in more detail as we look towards 2024. I'm going to create a sense of direction for us as we look towards this year using these four words. Is that okay? Okay. So the first word is authenticity. That quality of being genuine and real and not pretending to be someone that you're not. From what I can tell in the Bible, Jesus was transparent and vulnerable. And that is one of the reasons why so many people were drawn to him. Ask yourself why you're drawn to certain types of people. Why is it that someone is someone that you just feel attracted to and drawn to? What is it about them that draws you to them? Well, I want to suggest to you that it might well be that they're open and transparent and vulnerable, and you like that, and you feel connected to them because of that. Well, Jesus was like that. He was genuine and real. He didn't want fame and celebrity. He would often tell his followers to not kind of draw attention to what he was doing. He preferred to slip away rather than be celebrated. He was able to gain the trust of people from all walks of life. People who were rich or poor, people who were Jewish or not Jewish, they were just drawn to Jesus. He had a magnetic personality. He was kind. He was patient, he was loving, he was compassionate. We might say that Jesus was spiritually and emotionally healthy. He often withdrew from the crowds uh, to, to pray and to reflect. He sought the company of, of, of a close circle of family and friends. Now, a community of people who are inspired by Jesus will also have this quality of authenticity people who are comfortable in their own skin, people who are self-aware, people who care about the impact of their behavior on other people. To be a community of people who are authentic, though, we need to be willing to invest in our emotional and our spiritual health. We need to be willing to do something, because it doesn't just happen, does it? We have to pursue it. Maybe this year, Maybe this year, one, one or two of us need, maybe we need to pay for some counselling to deal with some emotional wounds, things that really do kind of create real turmoil in our inner life, and that just creates havoc in our relationships. Maybe we need to go for counselling this year. Maybe this year we will participate in the emotionally focused pathway. Maybe that's something that you would want to invest in this year. Or maybe you would like to participate in Emmanuel Prayer. Maybe you'll participate in one of the spiritual retreats that we advertise this year and take yourself off and reflect and restore and renew. If you're married, maybe you will decide as a couple to complete a marriage enrichment course for the benefit of each other and also those around you, including your children, if you have them. 
Maybe this year we will commit to being part of a smaller community group. Maybe it could be one of our neighborhood community groups. Maybe it's one of our networked community groups around a theme or an event. Maybe we will commit to being part of a triplet because we can be vulnerable and we can be open and we can connect with other people in an emotionally healthy way. If we're going to be like Jesus and be authentic, we need to lean into it. It doesn't just happen. The second value that we spoke about is generosity. The quality of being kind and self-controlled and forgiving. Jesus spoke up for the majority poor because he was one of them. Jesus was not some benevolent aristocrat who reached out and was an advocate for the poor. He was poor. He was from the marginalized community. Jesus attacked the systems that kept the majority uh, stuck in poverty. He attacked the systems by healing people so that they could work, by healing people so they could turn up at the synagogue or the temple, by healing people so that they could have healthy relationships. And do you know what happened? The authorities got annoyed with them about it. Jesus released people so that they could earn a living. He encouraged the rich to share their wealth and use it to build up the community. Jesus was, well, he was so generous. And it wasn't just about money. It was about our attitude and our character. Jesus demonstrated how self-control and kindness and, and, and forgiveness was the expression of a generous heart. So if we as a community are to be generous this year, then we're going to have to hold, well, let me say this differently, we need to have a lighter hold on the things that we might be tempted to hold tightly onto. Let me repeat that. If we are to be more generous this year, we need to have a lighter hold on those things that we might be tempted to have hold tightly onto. Maybe it's a grudge towards someone else and you can't let go of it. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe we need to loosen our hold on those things and let them go so that we can forgive and continue forgiving. Maybe it's about loosening our hold on our time, our energy, and our money. Maybe since the pandemic, uh, we've been guarding our time, energy, and money more carefully. And we've been unwilling to give generously to those outside of our work and home responsibilities. Let's face it, those things are enough in themselves sometimes. Maybe we need to hold onto our dreams more lightly, allowing others to interrupt our pursuit of those dreams so that we can help them, even if it means we don't always fulfill our dreams. Maybe we need to hold our prejudices and our preconceptions more lightly this year, to have a more open mind and to be willing to consider other ideas and other thoughts and other options. Believe me, friends, there are politicians this year who will try to drive a wedge between us on the basis of ideas and thoughts and opinions. And Jesus never allowed those people to do that. The third word we chose two years ago was inclusivity. The quality of being loving, peaceful, and patient. In Jesus' day, the Jewish religious leaders spent a lot of time forcing people to do what they wanted them to do by excluding them from temple worship. 
So if you wanted to participate in temple worship, you had to behave in a certain way. These people were like the morality police, and the best example I can find in the present contemporary news cycle is uh, a, a, a story we heard from Iran recently, reported in all the major press, about a woman who was whipped 74 times for sharing a photo of herself on social media without clothing covering her head. That's the mentality that we're talking about. Behave in a certain way, and we'll leave you alone. But if you don't behave in a certain way, we will attack you. Jesus spent most of his time with people who were considered to be immoral and who were generally excluded from temple worship through, uh, as I said earlier, whether they had a disease or a disability or something that the temple authorities decided excluded them from temple worship. Or, 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 or he spent a lot of time with the hated Roman tax collectors, which often weren't Romans themselves, but they were Jews, but they were acting on behalf of the Roman Empire and they were taking their cut as well. So really they were stealing, stealing from their own people on behalf of the Romans. These people were hated. But Jesus spent a lot of time with them. Je Jesus spent a lot of time with people whose sexual activities were not considered pure by the temple authorities. He spent time with people whose religion and ethnicity was despised by the Jewish religious leaders. I'm thinking of the Samaritans there. This is who Jesus hung out with, because this is the community Jesus was from. Jesus was himself considered an outsider, but and spent most of his three years and, and years before that um, with outsiders. And yet Jesus also, interestingly, had so much compassion for the religious authorities. So although they were constantly attacking him, he had compassion for them and loved to spend time with them as well. So he was not someone who would only stay in one camp, he would move easily and freely amongst all different types of people, all of whom had a beef or an argument with each other. Jesus was able to move in all of those circles. So it is surprising to me that the Christian church has a reputation for being more like the morality police than Jesus ever seemed to have. There's no doubt that Jesus invited people to live differently in ways that did not harm themselves or other people. But Jesus crossed so many cultural boundaries that he must have been motivated by simply love. So, if we as a community are to be more inclusive like Jesus, then maybe this year we need to find out how our beliefs and our behaviour affect other people who are culturally different from ourselves. Maybe we could be more hospitable in our homes towards people who are different from us, who we meet day to day in our workplace or our neighborhood. Maybe we this year could cross some boundaries we'd never crossed before. Have you ever been to a church where the majority in that church are not like you? Have you ever visited a church where the culture and the heritage is different from your own? Maybe you could visit a mosque or a temple, a Hindu temple or a Jewish temple, a synagogue, Maybe we could attend one of our Bridges for community, Communities Peace Feasts to meet folk from a different ethnic group in the city. Folks, we will do this if we decide to do it, but we can let this year just pass by and not do it. Maybe we could attend a gay pride event or be hospitable to our gay friends in the workplace and neighbourhood. Have we ever done that? 
simply, friends, we could simply start by inviting one another over for drinks or for dinner. Have you done that recently? As a community, are we being hospitable to each other, let alone to people who, with whom we don't normally meet? It's a challenge, isn't it? And it's a challenge I speak to myself as well as to us all here. So Jesus has this quality of being loving, peaceful, and patient. And the fourth, the fourth word we chose was courage. The courage. The quality of being faithful in spite of the risks. Now, we don't talk about the courage of Jesus very much, but to be sure, he was a very courageous man. He knew full well that his actions and his words would get him killed. Three times Luke records him telling his disciples, I'm going to get killed for this. Now, I don't know whether they understood it or not. Luke seems to think they didn't. But he knew he was going to die for what he was standing for. Jesus stood up for the poor and the marginalized in spite of the intimidation from the corrupt authorities. He was routinely threatened with violence and murder, so much so that he described his own life like carrying the cross of death on his shoulders and he invited his disciples to do likewise. Do you see how we read these words in, that were so familiar to us when we look at it within the context that Jesus knew he was going to die? And he says, pick up my cross and follow me. What he means is, Live as though you're going to die, because you are going to die. If you hang around me, you're going to die. And they did. They were pretty much all killed for their association with Jesus. Friends, Jesus' authenticity was a threat to those with no authenticity. Jesus' generosity was a threat to those who had no generosity. Jesus' inclusiveness was a threat to those who wanted to exclude so, if we're going to be more courageous like Jesus, then maybe this year we could get alongside someone who's been marginalised and excluded. Someone that few people want to associate with. Maybe we could have the courage to give up some time, energy and money to help out with a charity working with the poor and the marginalised. Maybe we already do that with our work. Maybe we could have the courage to be vulnerable and maybe this is the toughest one of them all. The courage to join a triplet or a community group and find a trusted person and start to be vulnerable and open about our inner lives, the lives that we don't want to tell, the, the things that we don't want to tell anyone about. Maybe this year the biggest uh, step of courage we could take is to be vulnerable with trusted friends and share our flaws, our fears, and our needs with them on a regular basis. Maybe we could have the courage to question our assumptions and our beliefs this year so that we can grow to maturity and understanding. Maybe we need to be more open-minded that others who think differently from us might be right and we might be wrong. Or not even right and wrong, just different. Maybe we could have the courage to examine our prejudices so that we can cross cultural boundaries and embrace people who are different from us with love. So what cross cultural boundaries are we sorry, what cultural boundaries are we going to cross this year if we're following in the steps of Jesus, the courageous steps of Jesus? Claire. 
Thank you, Owen. Um, so as we start 2024, Owen and I are willing to continue to lead um, this community of hope. You'll be pleased to know. And yay! <laughs> it might not be, so I'll hold it down. Um, and we'd like to invite you to also continue to be part of this community of hope as well. We're not asking you to give all of yourselves. Um, we too have our own families, uh, neighbourhoods, workplaces that take much of our time, energy and money. Seven Vineyard is not our own personal vanity project that we need to grow in order to appear successful. No. Owen and I feel privileged to serve this community as lead pastors, and we take great joy in the life that we see in this community, whatever shape or size it assumes throughout the years. So we do want to say thank you to each of you who have generously given of your time, energy and money to Seven over all these recent years, and particularly in this last year. And as we always say, if you are pleased with the return on your investment of your time, energy and money, then we'd like to invite you to continue to do the same this year. If you would like to start giving some of your time and energy, then I'd encourage you to have a look at our website on our joining a team page. There's all the information you need to know about the teams there and you can sign up for a team. If you'd like to start giving a regular financial donation or you'd like to change your regular giving, then the giving page on our website, again, has all the information that you need to know about that. But in addition, we'd like to invite us all to consider whether we might give a one-off donation in response to this giving talk. Um, that might be a donation that you give now, or it might be a pledge that you intend to give at a later date in the coming months. Just to say, Owen and I don't know um, the individual details of each person's giving. We don't know that at all. It's just our business manager that needs to know that for practical reasons. But other than that, we don't know those details. So all the information you need to know about joining a team or giving financially is on our website. And we have two QR codes um, that are on the screen, but also on the refreshments desk uh, station and the information desk that takes you directly to the joining a team page or our giving page, just to make it easier for you. And then on there, you can see a uh, financial summary for the last year, and also our annual trustees report as well. There's a link to that if you want more information about that. So we'd ask you just to consider this over these next couple of weeks, so that in two weeks' time, on the 11th of February, we can announce and celebrate together the total amount of one-off donations or pledges and new or increases in monthly giving that we have collectively given in response to this vision talk. So thank you so much. And to finish with, I've just asked uh, Barbara and Rosie and Nigel to come up and pray for us as a church and pray for us as a city. So why don't we stand together as these guys come up and pray?
Hi, um, so I'm going to be saying a prayer with you, uh, with the church uh, for the city. Um, the city of Bristol prides itself on being an open city to all. People come here for a variety of reasons, whether that's to live, learn, work, or seek refuge for a variety of reasons. As we say this prayer, let us as a church think of the verse of Jeremiah 29.7. This is when Jeremiah wrote a letter to the exiles. He wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and other people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah 29.7 reads, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will also prosper. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We want to pray for the city of Bristol, O oh Lord, and ask you that you may bring peace and prosperity to its people. With so much happening in the world, it can be easy to lose sight of all to those that are close to us or the small differences that can be made wherever you have placed us. We ask that you help us bear in mind that as a church, as communities and individuals, there is a purpose behind where you have placed us. That we may also remember our city in our daily dealings to include those that are in need and most vulnerable. We ask for the Holy Spirit to be with the people of Bristol as we enter this new week. We not only pray for peace and prosperity, but for love, peace, unity, and justice to prevail. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Lord Jesus, I'd, I'd just like to lift up the city of Bristol to you, Lord, and that your light should just fill the city such that there be no shadows, no places where people are marginalized or excluded, Lord. Let your light shine through all of the city to bring people together. Let it be a welcoming city, a city that is a beacon for our country, for our nation, that it will just really shine with your light flowing through it. Lord, I pray for the people of Seven that all of us, all of us can find an opportunity to bring some light to someone in our lives, someone in our neighborhood, all of us to make that active step to do something to make a difference this year in 2024. It can be small, it can be lighting a candle, lighting a torch, but together, Lord, I just pray that we have the courage and strength to step out and do something to help in our city this, Lord, this year, Lord Jesus, thank you. And Father, I pray and thank you so much for our leaders, Owen and Claire, for the teaching, for the wisdom, for their generosity, their kindness, their inclusivity, all of the values that they've shared with us today. Lord, I pray for your blessing on them both um, throughout this year. I pray that you bless their beautiful family too, uh, Lord Jesus, that they should fill you in every day, filled with the energy, health, encouragement and wisdom that so, they so generously give to all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Owen and Claire. Thank you for Seven. Thank you for our city, Lord, and your presence in it. Amen. Oh, Jesus, 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 have mercy on us. Jesus, Jesus, bring your compassion.
this year, Lord, let us be marked by your transformation, Lord, in, in each one of us, in our city, in our nation, in our world, Lord. Father, would you come this year and bring your perspective, your perspective to each one of us of who you are and therefore who we are. Lord, would you come, would you pour your mercy, would you pour your blessings, would you pour your grace out? Lord, that we wouldn't give of um, obligation or through emptiness, but that we would, we would give out of an overflow of our revelation of who you are. Lord, of the revelation of the things that you have done for us, Lord. Lord, we're so undeserving, yet, as Becky said this morning, you just pour your grace out in such abundance. Lord, would this year be marked by the lonely finding community? Would it be marked by the broken finding healing? Would it be marked by the lost finding you, Lord? Father, would you bring breakthrough? Would you bring renewed hope? Would you bring provision? Would you bring understanding? Would you bring community? Would you bring in each one of us authenticity and generosity, inclusivity? And I can't remember the last one. I'm really sorry. But the four things, Lord, would you bring those in each one of us, Lord? Would we be moved? Would we be changed? Would we see you move in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, in our cities, Lord? Things that we've given up praying for because we've just lost hope. Would you renew that hope within us, Lord? Would you renew the fire and the hunger to know you more within us, Lord? Would you not be a pastime or a club, but would you be our saviour, our hope, our redemption? Lord, would you come and would you move? Father, we lay seven at your feet and we say, not for our glory, Jesus, but for yours. Jesus, would you come and have your way? Lord, would you move mountains and would you pour your love and your perspective over each one of us Jesus thank you thank you thank you that you are all that you say you are thank you Jesus amen Thank you so much, guys. That's brilliant. Thank you. Well, have a seat. Um, thank you for joining with us this morning. Um, we're going to call uh, the service to a close now. If you've come and you'd like somebody to pray with you, then we would love to do that. So just come find me or Owen or anyone that's in the worship band, um, and we will pray with you. Um, but great. Coffee is still on. Barbara's there now. Got back to the duty <laughs> and coffee. Um, so hang around, chat to people, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks. <laughs>